It was Holocaust survivor and Christian evangelist Corey Temboon, the author of the great biography called The Hiding Place, who wrote these words. She said, I've learned to hold all things loosely so God will not have to pry them out of my hands. Let me say those again because I'll refer to this throughout the message. I've learned to hold all things loosely so God will not have to pry them out of my hands. I, I believe those who are true worshipers, who worship God, don't just lift their hands, but true worshipers have loose hands. They say, God, it all belongs to you. Everything is there. I, and I want to say this to you. This is true. Worship is really what brought me and my family to New York City. Worship is what brought us here. I have to explain that later, and I'm not speaking about music. It's not music that brought us here, but it was worship. And God, I believe, wants to begin to, to bring us back to a biblical definition of what this is. Some have sadly classified worship as slow songs and praise as fast songs. But that's not what the classification that the Bible gives to us. The question I want to ask you today is really an important question. That's this. Have, have we worshiped today? I, I know we've clapped and I know we shouted hallelujah and I know we sang and sang loud, but have we worshiped today? And a great starting place to study and understand a biblical concept such as this, and, I, and I'm speaking to both leaders, there may be pastors here or watching online, and I, I want to tell you something that has served me well, a tool that has served me well whenever I started on a journey. Any serious Bible student, this is good for you to get today. There is, a, there is a method that has served me well. It's called the law of first use or the law of first mention. What is that when you use that? What is the law of first use? It's this. Let me explain it to you. It's, it's, it's finding the first time that the Bible uses that specific word. Today it will be worship. And we use that as our starting definition. We start there and build from that. That that's the spot the Holy Spirit chose from. So the law of first use, I, I wrote this down because I kept thinking, this is what it's been for me. The law of first use is like the cornerstone of a building. You, all the other stones are set in reference to that first stone. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's a supernatural book that we read every single day. It's a supernatural book. So when God chooses to put it there for the first time, it's there for a reason. And here's what's, th that, is, that is really, church, profound is we discover worship is used for the first time in an unexpected place in the scriptures. Listen, there are no keyboards. There are no microphones the first time it's used. There are no choirs. There is no stage, no lights. In some churches, um, this, this is going to be tough to hear, but there are no smoke machines there is no LED wall. No one was selling coffee in the lobby. So for the worship, there was nothing there. There are only two people at this worship service. One is a hundred-year-old man, and the other is a teenager. And today, I want to let that hundred-year-old man teach us what worship is. Where is it, Pastor Tim? It's the Genesis 22 story. It's when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son Isaac. It's unthinkable and it's unprecedented 
but it is the definition that God chose, the place that God chose to insert the word worship and said, build from here. Don't build from a stage and don't build from music. Build worship from this spot right here on holy ground. So let me take you to that spot where worship is first used. Genesis 22, let me read this to you today. This is what it says. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham, and this always gets me every time I read it, to think of the command in verse two and to think that this man rises up early in the morning. Well, I would have tried to delay this obedience. He rises early in the morning, saddles his donkey, took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering, arose and went to the place which God had told him. Verse four, on the third day, Abraham raised his eyes saw the place from a distance, and here it comes, Times Square Church, and Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there. Now say out loud these next four words, and we will worship, first time it's ever used, and we will worship and return back to you. Times Square Church, for just a moment, God asked Abraham to offer Isaac this miracle child, as a burnt offering. And Abraham called that act worship. He chose that to be the cornerstone from understanding what worship is. Not a keyboard, not a sound studio. He chose this section of scripture and said, this is what's gonna be. You see maybe a perplexed 100-year-old man, a confused teenager going what is what is this and god is about to define worship for us for us that have lost its way for a church that have lost its way but i think there's something here for all of us today and by the end of this service my prayer is that we're all worshipers in this place you know let me give you a little side note as i was reading this it was there is a little word that i want you to see as we build from here. And I could not, I wanted to skip over it because there's gonna be two moments that I think is important. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have to dig a little bit. So I know it's the one o'clock service and I know this is sometimes uh, a place when you come on a Sunday, you, we, we wanna scratch surface, but we're gonna have to dig deep to get to see the width of what worship is. So just give me a few moments because there's two places I'm gonna, I'm gonna step in, it's gonna, it's gonna look like I'm a professional, but I'm a novice in both of these. And here's the first spot. There's a little word that I want you to see that's used over and over again. And here's the first spot, because I'm gonna use grammar here for just a moment. Um, and, and, and grammar describes the overuse of this little word with a big word. And I have to say it because it happens 12 times in two verses. 12 times. Okay, so here it is. Please forgive me for anyone who is a professor or a teacher of English. But it's called, here it is. It's called polysyndeton. Now, 
Now, that is this giant word to describe a little word. And I'm going to explain it to you in a second. Because in verse 3 and 5, here it comes now. You are going to see, here's, here's where the polysyneton is. The word and, the overuse of this word, is used seven times in verse 3. And then another five times in verse 5. Let me read it to you and you'll see it. Verse 3. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two young men and Isaac his son and clave the wood with the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Seven times. It just, it's like rapid fire. And as soon as you catch your breath, you're back to verse 5. And Abraham said to the young men, abide here with the donkey. And I and the lad will go yonder and we will worship and then we will come again to you. Now, 12 times, it's not there. It just keeps, it comes in rapid fire. But why is this important? Why is this literature, this grammar word important, polysyndeton? Here it is. Because when you see this word and so many times, it's emphasizing the specifics and the particulars. And it's this, and it's this, this, this nonstop continuance until the task is done. What he, what he was saying was, if God said it, I will take care of every detail. And I will do it until it's done because God has asked me to do this. He just simply, he's literally, it's persistence without a breath till you get the job done, until you get it to the finish line. That's what Abraham was doing. God spoke to him, take your son to Mount Moriah. And then all of a sudden, in rapid fire, rose up early in the morning. And then you see it, 12 connections, 12 phrases connected to this word and. What was, but, and, and, and to get to the part, what he was doing was, those 12 ands were all pointing to one thing, to an act of obedience. What, what was Abraham performing? It was worship, is what he said. He said it's going to be fast, persistent, and complete. And what's amazing is that there's that when Abraham calls worship, listen, Times Square Church, there was no singing involved. No one was singing a song, but yet it's called worship. And here it is. Worship is not simply singing. Worship is obedience. That's what he was telling us. That's what worship is. In another sense, worship is loose hands, like Corey Tamboon said, because in this incident, God was asking Abraham to let go of something. And I'm gonna, I, we'll dig a little bit deeper on this. It was the great Bible teacher, Kay Arthur, who said it like this. She said, if you do not plan to live the Christian life totally committed to knowing your God and walking in obedience to him, she said this, then don't even begin. For this is what Christianity is all about. I love this. It's a change of citizenship. It's a change of government. It's a change of allegiance. If you have no intention of letting Christ rule your life, then forget about Christianity. It's not for you. That's Seriously, folks. Know, know what that is? That's loose hands talk. That's what that is. She was telling us, don't hold on. Don't hold on. Because what, when you say we worshiped, when you say we worship, we have let go of everything and said, God, you're in charge now. Nothing is off limits to you. Worshiping today is morphing 
the wrong way and into the wrong thing today? How did, how did we turn worship into simply singing? And all of a sudden we, we sing songs and we're going, we've worshiped today and never, go, never come to this definition that the Bible through the Holy Spirit gives to us. We've turned our, our worship today in, into almost like these mini concerts with low lights and smoke machines and a timer that says we sing this amount of songs and we're done in 17 minutes. I've been there. I've preached at a church where they, where they give you the thing and said, you got you, uh, 17 minutes, you'll be on stage. And then, and then you have 31 minutes to preach the message. And I'm going like, you better not ask Jesus to preach here because I'm not sure he would abide by the time frames here. The attenders drink coffee in the sanctuary because they don't worship. They let others worship for them. And, and we find ourselves in a place that we're watching everybody else do everything and we just what, what what happened that all of a sudden we turned worship into singing hebrews 2 1 says this for this reason pay closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away from it because we'll drift drift away how did we why did we turn worship into singing here it is folks why did we do it because singing makes no demands on your life. Worship makes a demand on your life. It's much easier to sing a song on, a, on the screen. But man, when you worship, the Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, let go. Because I'm about to do something very profound inside of your life. So over these next few moments, let's rediscover the biblical worship today. And let's see what a hundred-year-old man has learned, and maybe we can learn something from him as Abraham is going to teach us what is worship. Let me tell you the first thing. Number one, worship is really I offer to God not just my miracles, but I offer him my, mistake, my, my mistakes, but also my miracles also. See, there are two sons in Abraham's house, Isaac and Ishmael. Now, this is important to understand, because Ishmael was not the one that was being requested. Ishmael in a sense, don't let, let me explain it like this, was a symbol of Abraham's mistake and impatience when God told him to wait for a promise and he wouldn't wait and he came up with his own plan to make God's purposes happen. He wouldn't wait on God. And I understand, especially what we're dealing with today with the Middle East, that when we deal with Isaac and Ishmael, we're dealing with something even deeper. And, and, and to start to delve into that would take us off track. Just go back and listen to what we talked about in our Israel message, and you'll see where these come from. But God didn't ask for, for, for the mistake or for what he did. God goes, I want your miracle. I want the miracle that I gave to you because not only do the mistakes that I can forgive and I can turn them into good, but I also own the miracles in your life. Abraham was faced with, with giving the miracle to him. That was, there were two sons in the house. I had a friend that has long been with the Lord. He was from Wales and told me to do something that nobody has ever asked me to do as a preacher. I was a young pastor. And he said this, he says, Tim, I want you to go, when you're reading the first five books of the Old Testament, he says, I want you to go do something. And here comes the second place. I'm going to step into a, a place that I'm going to be a novice. In fact, when I spoke on this in the first service, um, I had a new friend that was here. 
who is a Messianic Jew, but he's a rabbi. And so after I did this, I said, did I do okay? Did I meet the challenge? Because what my friend asked me to do was, he said, I want you to go to a rabbinical bookstore in Brooklyn, and I want you to buy a chumash. He says, what that is, it is a commentary on the passages of the first five books of the Old Testament. He said, it's just the tradition. It's not what's in the scriptures, but it's Jewish tradition of what they believe happened even beyond what you see there. He said, it's just interesting reading and, and something may happen as you read it. And folks, one of the first places that I, when I, when I bought it, as I walked in as a Gentile into this rabbinical bookstore, one of the fir- first places I turned in that piece of literature was to Genesis 22 and saw something that I think has some ring of truth to it. Let me tell you about it. Genesis 22.2 was not just a command, but when you read it, it seems that it was a conversation. Let me say that again. Genesis 22.2 wasn't just God going, take Isaac, but what tradition believes that there was a conversation, a back and forth that was taking place. And here is what they said. They said, when you see the commas, it was, tradition believes, that was the insertion of Abraham speaking to what God was asking him to do. So you would see a comma take place, and they said that's when Abraham was, in a sense, having his fingers pried off. That he was giving his pushback, going, this is, this, you're asking for something that I've been holding on to. And God goes, I'll, I'll have the conversation with you, but just understand, if you're going to go into a debate with God, God always wins. So let me just show you the verse again, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So he said, verse 22, um, verse 2 of chapter 22, he said, take now your son, comma, they said Abraham would respond there, your only son, comma, Abraham would respond there, whom you love, comma, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Now keep that up on the screen for just a moment. When you look at that, it made sense to me because it seemed there was too much description of Isaac in that. Like you're going, he knows what you mean, but there's like a lot of description. So this is what I think Corey Temboot said this was God. I think we're getting a little bit of, an, of a look, an inside look of God, of what it looks like for a man of faith to have his fingers pried off. And so I want to read to you what God said, and then at the comma, what possibly, this is my part, that Abraham may have responded to, his pushback of what was happening. So we look at the first part, and this is what God says. Take now your son, comma. I think Abraham said, I have two sons. And in his mind, he's hoping, I hope it's the other one. And all of a sudden, next phrase, then God responds, your only son, comma. I think Abraham said, they're both my sons. God goes, okay, we're going to play a game here. And God goes, the one whom you love. I could see Abraham going, come on, God. I love them both. And then it simply says this, and then God goes, Isaac, Isaac, that's who I'm talking about. Folks, let me just remind you, don't ever get argue with God because he will play that game for a little bit and then he'll name it. You can sit there and go, 
you can, you can come up with all the excuses and God will put his finger on it. You can come up with all the little arguments. Listen, you can be here and be a legal counselor and be a lawyer. You can be an NYU lawyer, and it may work in the New York courts, but not in the courts of heaven, because God will literally start taking all of your little arguments, and God will let you argue for a few moments, and then all of a sudden, he'll name it. He'll speak to it. Trust me. He'll take the best debaters in this room, and he will come and name it and get us to that place. I sat in a coffee shop as a young pastor was going through a moment in the scriptures. In fact, it was in this scripture. We sat there in a coffee shop. We were both young men, young pastors, and we were both new fathers. My son was just born, my firstborn son, and his firstborn, was, was, uh, who was a son, was born. And we sat there in a coffee shop, and I didn't know what he was going to say to me. And he, as we were talking, and it seemed like he was going through a through, through a, a conflict of faith. And he just said to me, he, says, he said, Pastor Tim, I've been confused and angered about this Genesis 22 passage that God would even make that request. And he said, I could never give up young Daniel. That was his son's name, young Daniel, like God was asking. Why would God even begin to do? And there was this great offense that he was taking with God at this moment. I'm sitting here thinking this is bigger. This is something bigger that he's dealing with here. And I responded telling him, I said, I looked at him and I said, let me just say this to you. We both know at the end of the story, we know Isaac doesn't die. God sends a ram in the bush. But I said, but what concerns me is that you're so offended for Abraham. I said, but isn't it amazing? You're not outraged for the father who did give his son to die. I said, God the Father took his son of promise and he died for you, but you have no emotion for that because you don't understand that God said, I'll let Isaac live, but there's coming a day that I'll send the son, the real son of promise, who will die for everybody in this place and on this planet. God says, be upset with that one. When I get asked sometimes, I've been asked by parents that have saw tragedy that, 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 that my heart has gone out to them and they've asked me this question. They said, where, where was God when my son died? I said, he was in the same place when his son died. He was in heaven and knows exactly what he's doing. He's God and God alone. Worship is giving to God, number two, what you love. Now, this is the hard part, folks. Not just what you don't want, but what you love. True worship is not asking for singing, but asking you to lay down what you love. Billy Graham said it like this. Listen, get this, church. When we come to Christ, we are no longer the most important person in the world to us. Folks, okay, some of you just missed that. Let me help you. When we come to Christ, you and I are no longer the most important person in the world. Christ is. Instead of living only for ourselves, we have a higher goal. That's to live for Jesus. That's what we live for. You know what worship is? Listen to me. Worship is not singing. Worship says, I have no boundaries. Come and do what you want, God. Worship says, nothing is off limits, God. Worship says, God can request anything he wants. 
Oh, I know you're going to get angry, but this is what I do. Listen closely. There's no relationship. There's no dream. There's no goal. There's no business. There's no company, no friend, no possession that you have sole possession of. God owns it all. Let's be really clear about that. We, we willingly lay up our past and our sin and go, God, I, I want you to forgive me, God. And he does. But he also goes, I'll forgive you of that and I'll take possession of this. We don't want that part. But it all belongs to him. There, there is a song. We'll sing it at the end. There is a song that, that I've been singing and I've been asking God to help me sing it differently. I love this song, but I feel like I, I don't sing it with real worship. And it's, it's this song. It goes like this. It goes, you are worthy of it all. Come on, sing it. You are worthy of it all. From you are all. And to you are all things. And to you are all things, you deserve the glory. Sing it one more time. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. Come on, sing it again. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things, and to you deserve the glory. You deserve the glory. See, from you are all things. It's the to you are all things. That's the, that's the challenge of the song. We will we'll accept from, from him all things. But to give him back all things, we, we don't like that. It goes, it goes like this. Job said it like this. He says, the Lord gives. We like that. The Lord takes away. We don't like that. And then Job said this, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's worship. He says, you gave it, you can take it, and I'll worship. Did you get that? That's, that's Job 121. He says, the Lord gives, and the Lord what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'll worship. I'll worship when you're giving and I'll worship when you're taken away. You deserve all the praise today. Worship is telling God my life doesn't have any no trespassing signs. My whole life is God's property. You have access. Here it comes. You have access to it all because you are what? Read that, read that note with me. You have access to it all because you okay let's do it like this let's read that again with open hands loose hands come on say it with me you have access to it all because you are worthy of it all do you understand why you're sitting here today because God came to a man in the hills of Pennsylvania who didn't put up no trespassing signs and God said I want your night times I want your evenings I want your TV watching sell the TV and instead of watching TV at night, I want you to start to pray. Come on, God, I work hard. This is, I could see David Wilkerson putting commas there, but I work hard. But I'm asking for more time. It's just 
a talk show. And I could see all the commas coming. And Brother Dave sold that TV set. And who knew what would be on the other side of his obedience? That he took that TV set, got rid of it, sat in an old car on top of a hill outside of his house, would pray at night. And who knew that he'd open up a magazine one day and see a court scene of gang members. And God said, go, go and talk to those boys. And David Wilkerson comes here, doesn't even get a chance to talk to those four boys that are on trial, but talks to another young gang member named Nikki Cruz. And who would have thought that by giving up an Isaac, time, my evenings, God will go, I'm going to give you a Nikki Cruz. I'm going to give you Teen Challenge. And I'm going to start a church called Times Square Church right in the middle of New York City. Who would have thought that that would happen? Folks, I'm telling you, worship brought me to New York City. It's when God said, take your hands off your plans. Folks, isn't it amazing that as soon as you set your own plans, God messes the whole thing up? Seriously. We, and, and he does it at the most inconvenient time. He says, I'm going to send you to New York during a pandemic. First, but let, before I send you, let me shut the world down for two weeks. And then you'll be shut down for 18 months, but we're going to do something in you. But I just need you to, I need to pry your fingers off. I need you to pry your fingers off your schedule, your comfortability, what you want to do. And I need you to do what I want you to do at this point. That's why I've learned a prayer, folks. I've taught it to you before. I learned a prayer from an Alabama youth pastor who said this. Here's the prayer. God, the answer is yes even before you ask. It's always yes. It's always yes. Whatever, whatever it is, whatever. Folks, that's what worship is. That's why there's no keyboards, there's no music, there's no microphones. That's why when you read worship about worship in the book of Psalms, there is not, it's not the music part. Listen to it, listen to it. This is how David says it. He says, come, let us worship and sing to the Lord. No, let us worship and bow down and kneel before the Lord. What was, what was he saying? When you worship, you submit. When you worship, you say you're in charge. When you worship, you say nothing is off limits. That's what worshipers do. The worshipers don't sing. Worshipers bow down before God, you sang it today with the choir as Yuka and, and Noah and, 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 and Mark are playing the song. The very first song called In the Sanctuary, you sang it. You said, yes, Lord, for the rest of our days. Do you mean that? Do you actually mean that? When you say, yes, Lord, for the or you just clap, God's going, do you mean it? Then let's be worshipers today. Open hands, loose hands, and say, God, you're in charge now. You're the one who's in charge of my life. Folks, this is where we end. You're not even going to believe this, but stand to your feet. I'm done. It makes sense to me now. It finally makes sense. I was reading what worship is. Worship is loose hands. Worship is kneeling before him and saying, it all belongs to you. You are worthy of it all. That's what worship is. It's God removing every, every prop and saying, here it is. Here's my life. Here it is, God. Take my degree. 
take my pursuit. You may be sitting here today, you work at the UN, you may be sitting here today, you're on Broadway, you play college sports or prefer a professional team, you may work on Wall Street. I don't know who you are, but that belongs to him. It doesn't belong to you. People all the time, they're going like, that's, that's my degree. I studied hard for that. And I, I look at them and I go, who gave you the eyes to see the blackboard so you can get, who gave you the eyes to read? Who gave you the legs to walk to class? Who gave you the mind? Let's really be careful of that's my company. That's my degree. Let me just say that if you are a Christian, it's God's. It all belongs to him. That's why it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. The greatest New Testament teaching on worship. Let me read it to you. John chapter 4. It's the greatest New Testament teaching and it's done by Jesus. Listen to what he says. An hour is coming and now is. Five times he's going to say the word worship. When true who? Will what? The Father in for such people the Father seeks to be his and then he says this, God is spirit and those who must worship him in spirit and in truth. I, I, we've looked at this before, but it just made sense to me. Who is Jesus speaking to? This is an immortal woman on her sixth husband. Folks, look at me. If I'm, if I'm the pastor on duty at this time, I'm going, okay, whether she's living in immorality or this actually is her husband, I want to go, okay, let's do a, let's do a marriage series because you, you can't seem to stay married. So we're going to do a marriage conference right here for the woman at the well. Or let's do a whole series on sexual purity for this woman. That's what I would have done. You don't preach on worship. That's not, that's not what, and then you start to realize, oh, no, 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 no. Worship has gone so far the wrong way. You do preach on worship. You do speak on worship. You don't. If worship is defined by what we have today, then you don't speak on worship. But if worship is defined what Genesis 22 says, then Jesus pricks the right topic. What are you saying that for? Pastor Tim, why would you preach on worship? Because worship is laying down at the foot of the cross the very thing you love, the very thing you have found value with. I need a man in my life because it lets me know that I'm loved. My dad didn't treat me right, so I'm going to find some guy who's going to come in and give me what I need. She went through six of them, and she found out that not one of them gave her what she needs. But hallelujah, she's about to meet man number seven. That's what I'm excited about. And he said, if I can get you to worship, if I can get you to worship, I don't have to speak on sexual purity. I don't have to speak on marriage because you have just laid it all down before me. And now I'm in charge of your life from this point on. I'm the one who comes to you. Folks, that's what Jesus does. He comes in and you know it. When you invite him in, how many know? He starts moving stuff around. Jesus makes it very uncomfortable for us. That's why I'm just telling you, 
You want to live, you, you want to ask Christ to come in? He doesn't just come in and start forgiving of your sin, or I mean, forgives you of your sin. He comes in and going, comes into our lives and goes, I don't want this here. Let's move this over. This shouldn't be here. This thing we're going to put on the curb because we want this to go out to garbage. And you're going, but I love him. I love him. And he loves me. And he goes, well, let somebody else love him, but you're not going to love him. We're going to move him out because he's not supposed to be here. Not supposed to be here. That's why you like singing. We like singing because there's no demands on the singer. But when we worship, we say, God, you get everything. Oh, listen, that's, that's C.S. Lewis said it best. Look at this on the screen. C.S. Lewis said it like this. I didn't go to Christianity to make me comfortable. A bottle of wine would have done that. He said, if you want religion to make you feel comfortable, he says, I do not recommend Christianity. It's true. I found something on my phone on Friday after Thanksgiving. I, I didn't even know it existed. I, I maybe in, I found when the iPhone first came out, there was a, a recorder app that I put there. I don't know, 20 years ago it could have been. I don't remember when it first came out. And I'm listening to it. And it was all these recordings of my kids when they were little. They were praying. They were singing silly songs. It was the first time they said the ABCs, and it was horrible. They, I, like, I'm looking, going, like, you don't even know the ABCs. How are you going to get through school? It's a miracle. They're a miracle. And we're looking at them. I was playing this for them, and they're going, like, A, B, D, E. And I'm going, you don't even say the letter. You can't even get through the fourth letter. And I'm looking, and it's, there's prayers. And I have one. I didn't find it yet. It's on my computer that my kids started mimicking and making fun of me. They all, at some point, started preaching in the basement. And I remember my youngest daughter, Lauren's first sermon. And this is what she said. I, I, I will never forget. She, go, she took her Bible and she goes, Jesus is bossy. I said, yes, he is because he has a right to be bossy because he's worthy of it all that's why he's bossy folks Jesus wants it all Jesus deserves it all Jesus is worthy of it all he, our finances our vacations our singleness our children your 401k your plans, everything. It, it, it all belongs to him. That's what worshipers do. Worshipers do that. They go, God, you take it from here. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite you, those that are sitting in your balcony, main floor, we're, we're going we're gonna to let this altar become Mount Moriah today. And it's going to be, I'm going to ask you to call to add this as the final step of that polysyndeton. It goes like this. And we got up. And we got on the train. And we got to 51st and Broadway. And we came into church. And, and the last one I want it to be is, and we came to the altar with loose hands and said, it all belongs to you. I want that to be the finale. I want it to be, because here's, let, can we just be honest? Some of you are sitting here today and you know when he's got to pry your hands off. Let's not. If, if you want to stay in your seat, 
and argue with God, you're going to lose. He's going to put his finger on it and go, that's what I've been asking for. There's leaders and pastors that are going like, this, I've got to stay here because this is, this is where we, it, people, people hold on to places. They're going like, because I get health insurance. And God goes, don't you think I can take care of you? Don't you think I can take it? But, but if I move on, what if there's a gap? What if there's too much? God goes, I got you. It's God prying fingers off of comfortability. It's God prying fingers and going, us saying, until I get A, B, C, and D in order, then you can have it. And God goes, you're not calling the shots. God calls the shots here. And so today, balcony, main floor, online, just hold on because we're going to challenge you in just a moment. If you're here today, I want us to sing this song. You are worthy of it all. I want you to get your pride hands ready. Hold, hold get it, get them. Hold on, really, because we're going to let it go very quickly here. But with that pride, you're going, God, I want to hold all things loosely. I'm going to ask you this. If he's putting his finger on something and he's pointing and going, I don't want just, I just don't want your sin. I want what you love. I don't want just what you, God, take this addiction from me. God goes, I could do that. But I also want what you love, what you don't want to give up. That man, that woman, that pursuit. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get, and all of this, God goes, just let, let that go. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me, let me be the one in charge. Because here's, here's what happens. Wait, put your fist down for a second. Because you look mean. Some of you, <laughs> your pride hands, I'm looking at you. I'm going like, okay, this is going to be tough. We're going to need security. <laughs> here's what I've learned in my life. For those that know the end of the story, Abraham brings up the knife and is about to bring it down into Isaac and an angel steps in and then over in the bushes was a ram and Abraham named that place Jehovah Jireh my provider and named it that but here's what I've learned this is going to get us upset here it is I've learned this there are times that I picked up my hand to thrust the knife in and there was no angel and I'm going, okay, where, where's the angel? How many know what I'm talking? Are you going like, okay, there's supposed to be someone stopping me. There's supposed to be a ram. And God goes, no, 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 I want this thing dead. I'm going, that's, that's, that's not what the story says. That's not what the story says. There's supposed to be, there's, you're supposed to go, now, you can, you can keep it. And God goes, no, they, they, I, want to, I want it killed. And I'm going, oh God. Sometimes there is a ram, but when the ram comes, it's much better of what God has, what God wants to do. As we sing this song, you are worthy of it all. And those hands open up and you're going, God, I'm surrendering it all. Can we make this Mount Moriah? If you go, God is prying my hands off this thing. Balcony, main floor. I want you to make your way. Those that are going, God, here it is. I'm laying it down at your feet. I've given, I've, I've held back. I've held back Isaac's things that I love, but God, you get it all. I've, I've called you to fix this in my life. I've called you to take care of this. I've said, heal me. I've said, fix this. Get this out of my life. But God, I've never laid down the Isaacs and said, here it is. Take this, God. 
And as we sing this, come on, you come, you come. He is worthy of it all. Come on, you come and go, God, you take it now. Come on, balcony, main floor. Open up your hands and say, God, take it. Hallelujah. Come on, let's begin to tell him again, you are worthy of it all. hands right now all you worshipers all the worshipers just tell them right now say you're worthy of it all would you just tell them just say you're worthy of it all I surrender it all to you right now God I don't hold anything back I've had my plans my schedule some of you here have had a call to ministry and you've you you you've you've said I'll do that but I've got to get this done I want to make money I want to get this done I want to get this done before I come and God is just going surrender that to me right now come on just surrender it to him right now some of you God has called you to a country God has called you to a nation even maybe called you back to your own nation as a witness but God we're gonna believe right now with with open hands loose hands oh God you are worthy of it all you are worthy of it all oh God I have so freely offered father all of my sins and addictions for you to forgive but I've held back that which I love and God today you are asking for it all this is a day of surrender and God we as a church the only way in these days and times are watching chaos ensue around us and the only Christianity that works in these last days are those that are all in sold out that says God it all belongs to you in the first we surrender all oh God we surrender all oh God 
Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Pry our hands off everything, oh God. And we turn it over to you today. We turn it over to you today. There is, for some of you, it's, it may be new. It's an old hymn that has been so, so near and dear to our hearts, sung all over. It's for many people that come to pry the hands off of things. And it's just that old hymn that begins to declare, I surrender. It goes, and I surrender. Come on, you sing it. I surrender all. all to Thee, my blessed Savior. Come on, if you know it, and if it's brand new, let's sing it one more time. I surrender all. Sing it. first verse with me. Sing that first verse with me. We want to teach you this for some of the new ones. All to Jesus. All to Jesus I Wow. Freely give that chorus I surrender all come on Times Square on Times Square. This is the verse that, that gets to my soul. This is Psalm 95. Humbly at His feet I bow. That's what worship is. Now this is the part. This is the part that goes to our soul. Worldly pleasures. Come on, sing it. second every head up every eye open I I told you what Christianity is today it's full allegiance he died sent his son of promise to die in our place 
And to come to Christ, look at me folks, you're not coming to church or to a religion. You are coming to, you're coming to the king of the universe who is totally in charge. Let me be clear about that. When we invite people to become Christians, it is saying, take full charge of my life. That's what you're asking them to do. That's why in the last service, I made them put their, I, I said, how many here want to invite Christ to come in? Remember, Christ, who does the makeover. If, if you don't want him coming in, to, if you don't want things touched in your life, don't become a Christian. We made people put their hands down in the last service, and I think more hands went up. I just go, I just go like, we, we had too many hands raised. And I said, put your hands down. Do you understand when he comes in, he's going to turn everything over? But I'm telling you what, when I'm in charge of my life, I mess it up. I need Jesus to be in charge of my life. So I'm not inviting you to a church. I'm not inviting you to religion. But I'm inviting you to say, God, send your son into my life. Change me from the inside out. Throw out anything you want to throw out rearrange any room in my life you want to rearrange I surrender all to you today so with your heads open eyes open online from around the world Poland listen to me UK listen to me Netherlands Australia New Zealand listen Nigeria and South Africa all of you listen carefully if you're saying I want God in my life I need him to come in and mess some things up and get things right in my life. If that's you today and you say, he gets the worst, he gets the best, and he's in charge now. If you're saying, that's what I want, I want God in my life, without any, raise your hand, say, put me in that prayer, hold, okay, put your hands down. You don't, okay, you understand what I'm asking you to do? You're saying he's got everything now, do you understand? Okay, you're saying, you're in charge, that means you want me in church, you want me in a connect, you want me to get water baptized, you want me to be filled with the Spirit, you got it all, Lord Jesus. Now let me ask one more time, you're saying, I want him in my life, I need him. Raise your hand up high, hold it up high. Okay, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Just, I'm looking at all these people. Just hold them up high, hold them up high. Is there more hands? This morning. This, Look at all these hands all over the place, in the balcony, online. Put, put, just type in there, just say, I'm giving it all to Jesus. That's what we're doing. We're giving it all to Jesus today. We're saying, take it all, Lord Jesus. Take it all, Lord Jesus. Come on, pray this with me right now. Pray this with me right now. Say these words. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross you took my sin my shame and my guilt and you died for it you faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father today Lord Jesus I turn from my sin I turn from my sin to be born again hallelujah God is my father Jesus is my savior the Holy Spirit is my helper the Bible is my God and heaven is my home in Jesus name and everybody said amen and amen hallelujah thanks so much for listening 
We hope you've enjoyed this message and be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.